Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. Hi, folks. Joseph Kursky here for Geo Inspirations at Directions Magazine. I'm here with one of my longtime friends and colleagues, Beth Tulinowski. Now, Beth, greetings and welcome. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate you being here, given your busy, busy schedule. I think many people in the geospatial community know who you are, but if you could spend a little bit of time talking about who you are, what your current position, and maybe a bit of your, your interesting background for us. Sure, yeah. So I'm currently a GIS instructor out of Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I teach GIS in their Warner College of Natural Resources. I'm also the education coordinator for the CSU Geospatial Centroid, which is the GIS service center on campus based out of the library. And I've been here at CSU for a couple years full time, but I've also taught GIS at Front Range Community College in their really wonderful certificate program. And I've also taught GIS uh, at Esri. I was a software trainer at Esri out of the Denver office for about eight years. So I go way, way back with GIS education. I think I met you when you were just starting at Esri. I might have been at the USGS at the time, but yeah, that's really interesting, Beth. So um, there's a couple things that stand out for me. I mean, many things of your, your amazing background. Um, and I think it's a, it's a fascinating one that not a lot of people have pursued because you've, you've gone from private industry, community college, now you're at a major state university. But first, focusing on the geospatial centroid, I've seen over the last few years in my university visits more and more of these, well, they don't always call it a centroid. It's, it's a, a geospatial right. center. Uh, I, I like the branding that you've done on yours. But can you, can you comment on the rise of libraries as centers of geospatial serving of data, training, et cetera, on a campus? Sure, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us around the country and probably the world, but having a geospatial center based on a library just kind of makes sense because the library is the center for data and very often research, and that's what the geospatial centers, not just the centroid at CSU, but the other ones as well, it's a center for GIS data and GIS research. So at CSU, we are what's called a service center and we serve the entire uh, campus community. And we're not based out of a department. We're not based out of a college. We serve everyone. And we have internships, uh, but we also, we work on projects and we create data and we solve problems. We do outreach and um, foster GIS community and education. And it just fits because GIS is integral to so many different disciplines across campus. To have a GIS center just within one department, it's very limiting. So we, we're kind of GIS for all. And I think that trend has um, risen in the past years because uh, nationwide, I think it's becoming more recognized uh, of the importance of GIS and geospatial science in, in all disciplines. So it's kind of breaking out of individual departments and being used for more, just it's being used more widely. Yeah, good point. I, I truly hope that um, it takes root in health, business, engineering, other disciplines that you and I have chatted about over the years. And I, I agree with you, the library seems to be the perfect location. You understand people's needs, you listen to the community, 
uh, in the universities, researchers, students, faculty, staff, uh, administrators, etc. And you're all about breaking down walls, uh, spreading this technology and, and the approach of solving problems through the spatial framework to other uh, people on campus and, and of course beyond. I know you serve a wider community than, than just the Colorado State University campus. In fact, I was at Clemson University a couple weeks ago and their geospatial center is in the library as well. And, and weren't you telling me earlier this year that uh, you've received some sort of boost from the university that, that you're now uh, more, uh, I don't know, there, there was an increasing funding, there was a staff yep. increase. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, so last year we applied for a grant through um, the VPR, the Vice President for Research, and we have been uh, recognized as an emerging core facility on campus, which is a huge, huge deal because what it means is that the higher-ups in the university recognize the importance of the geospatial centroid and thus the importance of geospatial science as an integral part of so many different disciplines and they recognize that we can serve the campus community and that we need funding to do so. So yeah, we got some funding and so we're going to grow the geospatial centroid. We're gonna move and get a better space, like a physical location, but still in the library. We're gonna hire more people and hopefully be able to offer more to the community mostly on campus, but our reach extends beyond campus as well through outreach and seminars and workshops and these internships. We have uh, partnerships with local agencies and on-campus uh, organizations to basically kind of like a consulting mm -hmm. service. Like they have a problem, they have a project, they have a need, and we uh, we're kind of hired to help them work on this project. So it gives the the partner gets the work that they need done, and then uh, students work on the project and get real-world experience, which is way better than what you could ever learn in the classroom. So yeah, that's what we are. It's an emerging core facility. I like that. I, I think yeah. it's so important as we go into the 2020s, right? Because you and I have chatted about this also in the past, that geospatial technology is, is just too valuable a perspective and a tool to be in one or two departments, right? It needs to be it must be in just about every conceivable department and discipline where they're all asking the where question. And so empowering them with these tools and the, and the resources that you have, for example, on your staff, I think is, I think is excellent. Here's, here's one of the things I was wondering, how do we clone you? <laughs> clone you, Beth? How do we get you and, and you, that sort of center in different, in different universities? There have been, Again, um, many that I have, well, some that um, I have visited over the last five years, say, that have, if they don't call it a center, it's, it's functioning sort of like yours, but uh -huh. there are vast numbers of universities still where geospatial is still sort of struggling with visibility, recognition, and so on, and you just wonder, what's it going to take for, for a, what does it take for a university to for example, yours that says, okay, we're going to fund this, we're going to staff this, we're, we, it's important throughout the campus, and we're going to make it happen. We're not just going to talk about it, we're actually going to do it. How, do right. we, how, did, how did you make that happen at CSU? And maybe, do you have any advice for how I and others can help nudge this forward at other places? Well, my first, my first response, which would be in, in jest, of course, would be you need about 10 years. 
because that's how long it's been. The geospatial centroid began within the Warner College of Natural Resources about 10 years ago, and they were you know, not very well known and not very broad, and then they got moved to the library. In the past several years, we haven't had real funding. It's always sort of been cobbled together, um, you know, with whatever money we could scrounge up from here and there and small grants and things like that. So the fact that we finally have been recognized through the VPR's office, the Vice President for Research, through that office is really exciting because now it's, it's like it's finally coming together. People are finally realizing it. People have been doing GIS in multiple disciplines for decades, but no one really talks to each other. So you mentioned before this idea of breaking down walls. And I think that's what the geospatial centroid is doing is opening everyone up to to realizing how just how much is being used and how widely it's being used. So little by little, uh, that realization comes around and that realization moves up the chain to the people who can really provide the funding. Uh, so sadly, I think time, <laughs> time mm -hmm. and some really good champions is really what it needs. And we have some good champions here at CSU. Melinda Lituri is the director of the Geospatial mm -hmm. Centroid. Sophia Lin is the assistant director. And they've been around since the start. I just got involved um, about three or four years ago. So they, they have to get all the credit. But you just you need really good champions and, and perseverance, really. And um, some really cool maps also help because the mm -hmm. ooh-ah factor, I think, is pretty impressive for some people, which is uh, just good. It's good, good to see those visuals, and, and really, it's very impactful to see those visuals for how the technology can be used. Well, we appreciate your leadership, and I'm sure there were <laughs> lots of... Um, late nights strategizing with, okay, what are we going to say when we have the provost's uh, ear for 10 minutes or the dean or whoever it is over these years? So I appreciate your tenacity and your hard work getting this move forward. You know, as a geographer and having visited lots of geography departments, it's wonderful when GIS is strong in a geography department, but I realize that Colorado State University does not even have a geography department, and yet geospatial at CSU is probably diffused in more departments than many other universities that, that actually have a geography department. So it makes me a little bit wistful as a geographer to realize, you know, geographers, I'm just encouraging you out there, don't, don't be too keen on just promoting GIS in your geography department, right? Get it out there like Beth is doing into more departments. It's, it's actually going to be a win-win situation. It's going to be a win for your whole university, and it's going to be a win for your department. And if you can have a centroid where it's actually outside of your geography department, maybe that's a good thing because then it takes maybe less pressure. It's less pressure on you to have to run the center and your own department at the same time. If you can get some funding and staffing and pound the pavement and do late nights uh, like Beth and her, mm -hmm. her team have done, that seems to have worked in not only where you are, Beth, but Clemson, uh, Stanford, Yale, uh, University of Kentucky, and other places that actually have a center. So uh, I, again, I salute you. I'm wondering also about uh, the following. When a person, you know, listening to this, a, a lot of folks that listen to this Geo Inspirations, they're wondering, you know, what, what do people do day to day 
in their position, and you have a very interesting position. Can you describe what your typical maybe couple of days are uh, of, of recent note? What do you spend your time on? Um, so I'm a, I'm a full-time instructor, so I do a lot of teaching. So most of my time uh, lately is teaching. So I teach a giant intro to GIS class. It's got about 90 people in it. Nice. I teach, I teach one large lecture to everyone, and then we break out into lab sections. So I teach two of them, and the TA te teaches some. Um, and then in the lab section, we learn you know, everything, full semester class. So everything from the basics and data and coordinate systems, we get into analysis and joins, uh, vector raster analysis, mo spatial modeling, you know, workflows, things like that. So that's what I spend uh, most of my time doing. I also teach a programming for GIS class where we learn how to perform GIS operations and geoprocessing using Python. Mm -hmm. So I teach that. And then with the Centroid, lately my position has been uh, serving as the education coordinator. So I'll plan seminars and workshops and I'll teach workshops. This semester we've had workshops on coordinate systems. We just had one on model builder, which was uh, really popular. That was well attended. Uh, we've had other workshops on things like web mapping. I, I didn't teach that one though. Um, we're looking to have some on Python and even R, and so I help facilitate those those uh, education opportunities. And then every now and then with the Centroid, although it's a little bit less now, it was more in past years, I get to help out with some of the projects. So one of the projects that I got to help out on was with um, the School of Social Work. They were measuring access to trauma care in Colorado, and they needed to do basically a giant network analysis from each county to each health center, like hospital, and just do some statistics on the numbers there. So I got to build a giant model to do all these network analyses for every health center in the county, mm -hmm. and then um, tally up all the all the answer or, you know, all the responses or the results. And then they put it into whatever they did for the statistics to measure, you know, which counties rural or urban have better access and does that have an impact on mortality rates? So we were using GIS for that. It was out of the school of social work, but it's, it's like a public health issue, you know, access to hospitals. Mm -hmm. So that was a really fun project to work on. Well, super. Uh, there's a couple of things that uh, stand out there from your comments that I just wanted to reflect on. A, I encourage people out there listening to, the, to this, embrace the, the programming, the coding behind GIS like Beth is advocating. You know, take a, take a course in JavaScript, take a course in Python, um, start messing around with getting your feet wet with um, some of the developer uh, labs, uh, developer.arcgis.com, etc. It you, you may not want to be a full-time coder or programmer. That's fine. We need those people, but we also need people in the industry that know a little bit about coding. You can make your web map shine. You can make your analysis more robust if you know a little bit about some of these tools. So I just highly encourage you to do what Beth is advocating here. Also, yeah, if I can chime in on that yeah, too, I have, I have some friends who are, um, GIS specialists or GIS analysts in just in local government and nowhere in the job title or the general job description does it make it sound like you would need to be a programmer, but they use Python all the time to help to help do their job more efficiently. 
And so these are people who never expected to have to know how to code, but they learned it because they had to, and they're very glad that they did. So if you have the chance when you're in school, students, if you're listening, if you're in school, take a programming class. Um, it will really help you it will boost your resume and it'll help make your job easier if you have those basic skills. Yeah, I keep thinking, Beth, about Brian Sullivan, not too far are you at the, uh, I believe the city of Greeley. Greeley, yep, yeah. Yeah, so remember Brian, this was a while back now, but uh, his city manager said, Brian, you need to webify much of the data and serve it out to the public. And Brian's like, well, I don't know how to do that. And the city manager said, well, I, I don't either, but you can learn to do it, and I have full confidence that you can. And then Brian went out and and took the the workshops, the courses to the, allow him to be empowered to do to do some programming to um, to use enterprise GIS and to basically serve some of the data that he is working on that he has been working on to the general public. And then the nice another nice side benefit besides him. Uh, you know, increasing his skills, but other people were coming to him. Hey, Brian, I need to do that for my city or my county. How did you do that? So, <laughs> you know, Brian is is now highly in demand from multiple organizations, and you know, if nothing else, it's it's good job security because he he is he is essential to that whole operation there. But it was also a good testimony for, you know, here's someone in a sort of early mid career. Uh, phase. Hey, I'm a lifelong learner. I can learn how to do this. I don't know how to do it right now, but I can learn. And um, it, it is is definitely has helped not only his position, but everybody be more efficient because they're going to these commonly shared uh, data sets and accessing the information and making smarter decisions from it. So indeed, I, I salute you. So hey, thanks for describing some of the things that you're doing. And also, I was wondering, what are the what are the what is what are two challenges perhaps that are that are most vexing to you day to day on the job? So many challenges. One of the things I, I see recently, which is surprising actually, is a lot of students don't really have very strong computer skills, which which you you might think is strange. I think as a kind of an older generation, we make this older generation, I'm in my 40s. Uh, we adults think that all young people know how to use computers and know how to use them well and can figure anything out. Uh, but a lot of students can't. And I've seen this more and more over the past few years. And it's, it's very challenging in class because I teach GIS. We teach on ArcGIS Pro. And that's not an easy software to just pick up and learn and, and go with. And so for students who on day one, they say, oh, I'm not tech savvy. Um, they, they really struggle. And, and you, you have this assumption that, that all young people know how to use computers, but they don't because they might not have ever learned it. So it's hard to blame them for things that they have never been taught, but it's also hard to teach them ArcGIS Pro if they're really unsure of and don't have a lot of uh, self-confidence with computers. So that's one of my challenges that I'm trying to overcome. I'm trying to teach them those skills and expose them to things like, I don't know, just file management, data management, working with folders, um, sa like saving and saving as and moving files around. It, it surprisingly is, is a struggle for some students. So that's one of my uh, biggest challenges, I think, mm -hmm. um, is just, is just that I think I think we need to make sure that everyone has those skills. We can't just assume that they have those skills. 
Yeah, good point. Kind of on a related note, I've noticed some of my students, and I teach at a couple of different universities online uh, currently, and uh, yeah, they may be great at installing apps on their phone, but when it comes to using something like Excel, maybe they've never been exposed. And right. so, you know, as opposed to 20 years ago that everybody in my GIS course has had Excel in their past math class or just in their past life. <laughs> uh, and nowadays it's, you've never had Excel? You've never, you've never actually used a spreadsheet? Well, okay, so like you said, Beth, we need to step back then and say, okay, let's, let's do a little bit of work in a, in a spreadsheet so you understand some sort of fundamental database concepts, field names, and so on, before right. you get into a geo database. So yeah, it's, it's meeting students where they are and that's the reality. Um, I, I can relate to that. So what are the big, what's, what's a, a rewarding thing about your job, a, a benefit? Rewards too. So I, I have about 90 people in my class, in my big class right now. Mm -hmm. um, I have about 10 in my little class, oh, quite, quite a difference. Um, and in any class, you're always going to have roughly a bell curve of abilities. You're always going to have students who struggle and students who really, really get it. Um, and the students who get it, that's rewarding right there is, is the students who get it and they want to learn more and they ask those really great questions. I find that really rewarding. But at the other end, the students who struggle and then they finally get it, you know, not everyone's going to get it at the same time and that's okay. But when, when that student who's been struggling all semester with, I don't know, like how rasters work, and then they finally figure it out, and they finally get it, and they finally understand it, that I think is really rewarding, is when the mm -hmm. students finally get it, and you realize, oh, look, I actually got through to somebody. So that's one of my, my, uh, my what keeps me going, I guess, is when the students are, are getting it and they're asking really good questions and then you know that they're ready for more. Yeah, I had a university, Salt Lake Community College uh, instructor that would routinely come to me and say, Joseph, it's your fault that I didn't retire. I got in, you got me into GIS and now I'm just so excited about all of this. And I've got to keep <laughs> learning and growing. Uh, you know, so that was, that was for me a rewarding moment uh, periodically when she would, when she would say that. But uh, yeah, I can relate, Beth. It is a good thing to be in the field of GIS and education. You realize you really, you really are touching the future, and you're going to be empowering those people to make wise decision decisions, no matter if they go into nonprofit, business, government, academia, etc. I know you're planting a lot of good seeds up there, and every time I encounter someone that knows you, they say, "Yep, I got my start with Beth, whether it was at CSU or at Esri or at uh, Front Range." Hey, can you? Can you uh, describe a little bit about your work there at Front Range? I know a lot sure. of folks know about the good work that community colleges are doing with GIS, but maybe if you could fill in some of the gaps that people might have. Yeah, so Front Range Community College is a local community college in the area. There are three campuses, but the one campus in Boulder County, which is out of Longmont, Colorado, they are the the host, I guess, of the GIS certificate program. And the GIS certificate program has been around since the early 2000s, and it's grown significantly since that time. It started out with Dave Skiles, and he really built it up. Uh, and then Jennifer Muha took over, and the, the certificate program is, I think it's like 20, I want to say maybe 28 credits or something, and most people do it in two or three semesters. But it has everything from intro GIS 
cartography, databases, project management, remote sensing, intermediate GIS. I think there's a little bit of Python in there, um, web mapping. So they have quite a range and depth of courses and it's become very reputable. It's, it's the place that people go in the front range of Colorado to get their GIS certificate. And in recent years, they have expanded even on that. They developed an associate's degree and are just now coming out with a Bachelor's of Applied Science, a BAS degree uh, in geospatial science. So in addition to the original 28 credits of, of certificate GIS classes that you would take, now they have even more. So not just databases, but advanced databases, not just remote sensing, but advanced remote sensing. There are more specialized classes for things like hydrology and GIS and natural resources and a whole bunch of other ones that I cannot remember off the top of my head. But they have um, basically 60 credits worth now of GIS classes to take. And that program is still just developing. I think it just rolled out this semester or next semester. So it's brand new, but it's a chance for people to get geospatial science uh, education, to get a bachelor's level degree in it and very affordable because it's a community college. And the instructors who teach all the classes are from the industry. A lot of them are part-time and they actually work full-time in the industry and then they teach in the evenings or whatever for Front Range. So the, the staff who teaches it is really knowledgeable. And I taught there, I taught there for six years and then I came to CSU from there. Mm-hmm. Well, I can personally attest to all the things that you say. I have been in touch with Front Range for many years, going back to Dave Skiles' days there, and they have me up there occasionally for their career nights and other things, occasionally to guest, uh, guest present in their classes. And I would just encourage the listeners to, if you, let's say you're, for example, working full-time, you don't have the ability to ditch your job, you don't want to ditch your job and go full-time at a university. I encourage you to look into the community colleges around your area, the community and technical colleges. Look at, for example, geotechcenter.org. There's a listing. There's a map there, a map of uh, all the uh, geospatial programs uh, in existence in these community and technical colleges. You'll probably find one close to you, and they're really robust. And many of them are online, too, so you don't actually physically have to go there. But I agree with what Beth is saying. They are doing a extremely inspiring job of helping people to be quickly and inexpensively ramping up their skills and their their geographic framework too it's not just the skill building but it's so much more and pathing them into internships jobs and 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 other uh, opportunities in the geospatial technology arena so yeah i agree front range and others are doing a, a noble job in, in society here. So, hey, switching gears a bit, Beth, um, mm -hmm. is there a specific thing, person, class, topic that inspired you to enter this field? Oh, that's a good question. So I think, so when I was a kid, I was one of those kids who always loved maps and loved geography. And I remember on a road trip when I was 10, just sitting there with the Rand McNally Road Atlas the entire way from New York to Utah and back, just with my finger on the map and looking at the exits and figuring out where we were. So I've always loved that sense of place. It's always been part of me. 
And fast forward, when I was in college, I was looking for a summer job and I was a natural resources major and I wanted to get a job outside. I wanted to do something with field work, with trees. Mm -hmm. And I saw a job for this thing called the Gap Analysis Project. I didn't know what it was. It used this thing called GIS. I didn't know what that was, but it was doing something with land cover and looking at trees. And I'm like, I can do that. So I got hired. I had no idea what GIS was. Uh, and I, I was thrown into ArcView 3 and a Unix box with Workstation Arc Info. And that was like day one. Day one, I'd never, never learned anything about GIS. And I'm trying to figure all this out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And after a couple of weeks, I finally kind of got the hang of it. I did get to do my field work. I got to make a land cover map or help make a land cover map of New York State. And at the end of the summer, uh, when the semester started, that's when I took my first GIS class after I had already been doing it for two months. But by then I was hooked. I was like, this is great. I love this. I want to keep doing this. So this kind of happy accident that I fell into a summer job, not even knowing what it was, it led to my lifelong career. So that was back in 1997. I worked on the gap analysis project for about five years during which time I also became a grad student and served as a TA. And when I was a TA, TAing GIS was when I realized, oh, hey, I like teaching too. And so that's kind of how it came together. Here I am 20 years later teaching GIS. I, I know you and I talk to um, a wide variety of folks and it's always a good thing to say, hey, you and I, and others listening to this, we can probably, they can probably relate to what I'm saying now, and that is you learn so much when you're teaching GIS or fill in the blank. There's probably uh -huh. many other professions that we could fill in the blank. I learned more teaching GIS than I ever did as a student. I mean, I learned a ton as a student, but yeah, teaching it, you're, you're on your toes. Students and others will ask you questions, and you'll say, I don't know. Let's figure it out, right? So yep. you're, you're constantly learning. You're a lifelong learner, and uh, – that plus the whole rapid advance of GIS into this sort of cloud-based um, enterprise system architecture, I think is it's a very exciting time for GIS, don't you think? Oh, definitely. There's so much there. There's so much new stuff happening. There's so many new advances in technology. And being a teacher, I need to teach my students what the new stuff is. So I have to learn it so I can teach it to them because I want them to learn the most relevant up-to-date material. So it's really exciting that I get paid basically to, to learn all this great technology. Well, and we're thrilled to have you part of the community. Um, kind of looking forward then, Beth, um, what do you think, you know, given your pathway and experience and the position that you're in right now, what do you think is the most important thing that we need to work on as the, maybe the, in broad terms, the education, science, technology, engineering, and math, geospatial community? Um, several. I could think of several things. One, one is I think as, as a general GIS education community, I think we need to come together and be more cohesive and in, in not necessarily what we're teaching, but we need to be more co cohesive in how we're teaching it and how we're moving forward. Um, I know at CSU, and I'm sure it's happening in other places too, we have people who are moving toward ArcGIS Pro and, and some who are on ArcMap. 
some who are doing R. And it's, I think we need to teach a diversity of things, but we need to make sure that we're all moving forward and using the latest technology, uh, especially with ArcMap. That's one of my, one of my big beefs is, is trying to move, trying to te not teach ArcMap anymore because that's not where people are really doing JS anymore. Um, so I think moving forward and, and advancing technology uh, cohesively. Uh, and then I think just being adaptable. I think everyone needs, and then they kind of go together too, being adaptable and moving technology forward. We need to stay on top of the technology and find the time to keep learning. I think, you know, everyone has such busy schedules. A lot of professors are engrossed in their research, which is, you know, great. But I think a lot of uh, faculty, especially, they kind of forget that there's a whole geospatial world out there and they, they mm. kind of get stuck in their own routine. I think I'm, I'm kind of unusual because I'm an instructor. I don't do research. So I, and I, since I worked for Ezra, I, I have my foot in that private sector still. So I do go to conferences um, on geospatial uh, technology, but I think a lot of faculty, especially at CSU, they don't really go to the GIS conferences. So it's, it's hard to learn what's happening in the industry if you're, if you're not really touching the industry, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and with spatial technology, we are, we are tied to geography, even if we're, we come into this from transportation or health or business or engineering or some other field. So we're asked to actually look at problems holistically, right? And so I think that is a, a good reminder for us that, yeah, we can, we can really be into our population data or our soils information or whatever we're working on, but looking at problems holistically and spatially and critically, I think is, is so important as, as these problems that we're grappling with on the planet become increasingly complex and affect our everyday lives. And anyway, Beth, thinking about your, um, your multi-pronged uh, pathway, <laughs> You know, private industry, community college, university, geospatial centroid. Do you have any advice for for a, a new professional, let's say, in this field? What should they think about? What should they plan or do? Uh, again, since we're in the the dawn of a new dec new decade here. Yeah, um, just from my own experience. So I, when I left Ezra, I left to be home with my kids and I was out of the GIS field for two years and then I had to get back into it. And when I got back into it, I realized, wow, I had a lot to learn. I was only out for two years and I felt like a dinosaur. So my advice to people is if you take a class, if you're an emerging professional and just finishing up your coursework and you take a class now and then get some other unrelated job for a couple of years and then try to get back into GIS, it's going to be quite difficult. So my advice is to stay on top of it. Keep your skills up. Keep using the resources. Keep practicing the things that you've learned in class. Um, especially with Esri, there's so many free and uh, you know, easily available online resources with webinars and the online training. Uh, ArcGIS online. There's so many ways. QGIS totally free, and it works on a Mac. So make uh, you know make some time to create a little project and keep your skills up. If you don't use your skills, you you'll lose them. So don't let yourself become a dinosaur. And for those people who are still students, take advantage of every opportunity you can. 
if your university has <clears throat> a GIS center like we have, they have workshops and seminars, go to them. Take advantage of those. Take advantage of your um, ESRI license, your free ESRI license at your school while you still can. Take all that online training. So, uh, and then the other, th the other thing is networking. So there are so many meetups and ways to make connections. Um, and those are really, really valuable for making, you know, making a connection to get your foot in the door for your first job. Yeah, good points, Beth. Uh, the networking, uh, Beth and I attend the GIS in the Rockies conference here in Colorado and other events, meetups, as Beth mentioned. But in your state, your region, around the world, there are, there, there are no shortages of, of ways to connect, whether face-to-face -face or virtually. Um, I've got some students at the University of Denver, usually coming into the course typically every, every quarter, that uh, much longer than you, Beth, they've been out of geospatial for maybe a decade or more. Oh, I wow. just encourage them and, and all of the others listening here that, it, you know, you're thinking, gosh, Beth felt she was, she was sort of out of touch with the geospatial technology after over only two years. It's, yeah, sort of like a foreign language. If, you, if you're not practicing it, you, you definitely lose, oh, the subjunctive. How do I do that? How do I construct <laughs> the sentence again? But uh, I just want to encourage you folks, like Beth is saying, no matter how long you've been out of, or maybe you're just getting into it as a mid-career person, there are no shortages of, of uh, MOOCs, webinars, and things that Beth mentioned, books, eBooks, etc., uh, podcasts. So, yeah, there, it's it's it is a beautiful time for you to learn more about geospatial technology, and and you know if you learned it years ago, it, you got to keep your skills up because. The, the tools, the expectations, the, the workflows have radically altered. I mean, artificial intelligence alone, we're probably going to see a lot less GIS technicians actually digitizing, I would suspect, in the next 18 months. That's going to radically drop off. If you've got this video feed of every single light pole, curb, tree, etc., in your community, you're not going to have to digitize that. So what are those people going to do? They're going to be doing other things. They're going to be learning new skills and contributing in other ways, which I think is actually good because some of that uh, work is actually, frankly, pretty tedious. Sure, we learned, we all did it at one point in our careers, but uh, having freeing those people up to do other tasks, I think, is going to be great for the for the profession. So, absolutely, thanks, Beth, for your yeah. wisdom. I know you've got to go teach class here, so let me just ask you one more thing, and that is, what's your favorite map? I think my favorite map would be the one I'm staring at right now on the wall in my office. It's a map of New York. It's from Raven Maps. You know the Raven Maps? Oh, yeah. And it's a map of, of New York that I got, I think I was in high school because I liked maps so much. My dad gave it to me for my birthday. And here, 20-some years later, it's still hanging on my wall. Cool. Uh, and I just love to look at it. I'm from New York. I went to school in New York, so it's, it's my home. Um, I did not know that about you. Oh yeah, I grew I grew up in Staten Island, and I went to wow. Cornell. Yeah. Forget about it, Beth. You Forget about it. <laughs> Gosh, thanks so much, Beth, for your time today. I know you're, as you described, a little bit of your life, quite busy, touching the lives of many, and we really appreciate the time that you've spent uh, with us today at the Geo Inspirations Directions Magazine podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and giving this giving me this opportunity to share a little bit of my knowledge and, and advice.
Uh, much appreciated. Much appreciated, Beth. Keep on mapping and uh, touching lives, and we'll catch up with you later. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thank mm-hmm. you.